Hey everyone, uh, if you are here in America, in America we celebrate Mother's Day, so uh, just so you know, um, I'm with my mom right now, my, uh, she's uh, in assisted living, so I thought it was a good idea to go spend some time with her, um, but uh, I want to give you a quick update as we're going to be starting a new book right now uh, with the prophet Amos, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there worldwide, and uh, well, let's get going. So let's think about things with Amos. I, my first message with the prophet Amos is this. This is the title. This is the problem. But let me give you an update uh, from some news sources, uh, some events over the past week or even the past two weeks uh, just to get us rolling. So here's this. Ukraine's foreign minister calls on China to mediate war with Russia. I mean, I look at that and think, okay, China's going to be the peacemaker. Okay, that's rather interesting. And then there's here this, here's this also out of the Wall Street Journal regarding China. China is accelerating its nuclear buildup over rising fears of U.S. conflict. Man, are we racing towards war or what? I mean, we're looking at all of the different things that are going on. Uh, very interesting news indeed. But I'm going to get through this. This is kind of like a machine gun news thing that I'm doing right now up front going to get some more things a little bit later with a little bit more detail. But here's this next story. Uh, certainly many of you have seen this. Bill Gates calls for worldwide government surveillance system. Wow, wow, wow. Imagine that. Bill Gates wants to surveil everyone, just like the book of Revelation tells us, Revelation chapter 13. And then there's this, this article, Global Food Crises. Perfect storm of world hunger thanks to the Ukraine crisis and COVID could starve millions. And we're hearing reports like this every day now about food crisis. Listen, somebody uh, sent me a note the other day. They said, why do you always talk about bad news? And I said, well, quite frankly, all I do is just read the news and it's bad news. But we have the good news. We have this. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, you, everywhere you look, this is the news that's going on out there. But praise God, we can bring in the Bible into this current world so we, can, uh, so we can navigate this mess that we are in. Next story. Uh, Jen Psaki says, Biden will continue to call Americans who do not support him extremists. Imagine that. You're an extremist if you don't support uh, Joe Biden. It was Joe Biden who said something like anybody who voted for Trump or the MAGA supporters uh, the MAGA world is the biggest terrorist threat we've ever had, or something like that, he said. Uh, the, the biggest problem we had, the, I can't remember the exact words, but it was along those lines uh, that, this, that the America's ever had. Just ab absurd uh, what this says. And then here's some truth. Look at this one. Great truth in this one. From CNN, of all things. Look at this. A CNN poll... Only 2% of Americans believe Biden's economy is very good. I'm wondering who those 2% are. I'm guessing Joe Biden, his wife, Hunter Biden, a few more people who are some of his handlers, Jen Psaki. Those are the 2% that actually think his economy is very good. And then, of course, this, we can't miss this story. Ram Paul Grills, Department of Homeland Security head on creepy Ministry of Truth. All right. I've talked about this in this disinformation governance board. I've talked about this a couple of times this past week. It's a reminder. This is the same type of thing that Hitler did, Joseph Goebbels, Joseph Stalin, and we see it happening now. Uh, George Orwell warned about this type of thing 
in his book, 1984. In fact, I wish I had the quote with me right now. Uh, but in 1984, he made a statement uh, along the lines of something like, um, uh, when, uh, when tr I can't even remember, uh, under the time of universal deceit, truth will be radical or truth will be um, deemed uh, an evil thing. So we look at what's happening now. They have their ministry of truth, their disinformation governance board. In other words, they're just going to make sure all of their lies are out there so you can't know what the truth is. We live in a time of universal deceit that's only growing. Then there's this out of now the end begins. The Biden administration tells Israel they have no right to the Temple Mount and warns that Jews praying there is provocative and must stop. Uh, very interesting. Um, as you look at this, and, and, and uh, you look at the Temple Mount, and Biden says, okay, it's okay for Muslims to pray on the Temple Mount. By the way, it's not okay for Christians to pray on the Temple Mount either, but uh, Biden says, no, you Jews are a problem there. Uh, interesting days that we live in. Then there's this, World Economic Forum now suggests seniors off themselves for the children. In other words, if you're a senior citizen, uh, listen, to save the planet because of climate things, climate problems, uh, you ought to just go and kill yourself. Listen, I've read the article. Uh, that's literally what they're suggesting. What I find interesting is that the old people that are part of the old World Economic Forum aren't considering, considering themselves as being part of the people that should off themselves to save the planet. The hypocrisy is off the charts, just like those people who, who uh, are, are like the, the Obamas, who find oceanfront property at the sea level or about that far above the sea level, yet they preach the ocean's going to rise because you're driving an SUV and we're using fossil fuels, yet they pour their millions of dollars into their oceanfront property that's that far above the sea level. Very interesting. Why do they do that? Because they don't believe their own lies. They know that this climate change stuff is just, uh, uh, it's just this this narrative that they're using to manipulate the masses into more fear and to get everybody to get along and everybody to comply to their agenda 20 through agenda 23 laws that are going to come about they don't believe these things leaders don't believe any of this stuff okay let's get on with the book of amos and i'm glad to be teaching the book of amos uh this is exciting for me but the first thing i want to meet with the book of amos is the man so think of the man here we are chapter one book of amos verse one as we begin our next part of our series with the Minor Prophets, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. All right. So we're introduced here to this man, uh, the prophet Amos. So who was he? Uh, he begins by identifying himself, and he says, these are the words of Amos. This book is the only mention of his name. This particular Amos, not mentioned in 1st or 2nd Kings or 1st or 2nd Chronicles. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, not mentioned anywhere in the Bible apart from here, as far as the prophet in the Old Testament, I should say. Uh, but with that, don't confuse them with Amos, A-M-O-Z, that Isaiah is mentioned, and Isaiah as being the father of, of Isaiah the prophet. So the name Amos, 
It means burden or burden bearer, and certainly that name applies. We're going to see a little bit more about his occupation in just a minute, but the name applies. God had given Amos a great burden for the judgment that was coming. There's lying prophets, there's lying priests, there's lying kings. The people have gone into all forms of wickedness, so we had this burden. Hey, judgment is coming. You better repent, and if you don't repent, there's going to be trouble. It's also interesting that Amos used this term, the day of the Lord. It's the same term that Joel used. And what does the day of the Lord describe? Well, the day of the Lord is a reference to judgments that will still come in the future. So this is what Amos does. He talks about what's going to come to Israel in the immediate future regarding uh, Assyria coming against Israel. But he also talks about what's coming to the surrounding nations the, the nations that surround or the people groups that surround Israel and Judah. And he talks about Israel and Judah too and the judgments coming there. But when he uses the term the day of the Lord, we are launched into the future, even our future. What he's referencing is the time of the coming tribulation that's going to come upon the whole planet. Uh, when you look at it from this understanding, you might have the question, well, why do I study Bible prophecy? Well, this is the perfect reason why. History repeats itself, and we can learn from the past. So when you study the Old Testament books, or even the New Testament books, you can learn uh, what, what was the culture like? What was the lessons that the people were to learn? Am I repeating the same mistakes? Am I committing the same sins? Are we committing the same sins as a, as a people group, as a nation, as a world, as they were back then when God judged them? So we're able to look back and learn from that, but also with Bible prophecy, like it is with Amos, he launches into the future with the day of the Lord. So we can understand what is still coming for us today, and we can also understand why. Notice also that it says here the words of Amos. This is the written word of Amos, of the visions that God gave him, warning about the judgment that was to come. And we want to note here that it is the written word. Uh, during Israel's history, you have uh, the, the uh, prophets of works, miracles. That would be Elijah and Elisha. They were prophets that, that, that uh, were able to have God on display before the people through the miracles that they did. But then you look at the minor prophets and the major prophets, they were the writing prophets. So what were the writing prophets? Well, the writing prophets were a different type of prophets who performed no miracles. So instead of pointing men to God's works like Elijah and Elisha did via the miracles, the writing prophets pointed men to God's word. And through God's word, God still speaks to us today. Uh, one of my favorite verses comes from the book of Amos. We're going to see that in just a few more minutes. But I also want to say this before I go on any further. Um, this book that you see right here, uh, America's Coming Judgment. I did a message uh, from the book of Amos about America uh, several years ago. I think it was in 2011 when I did the message. And it was based upon Amos, and it was based upon the plumb line. And uh, out of that one sermon I did came this book, America's Coming Judgment. So uh, um, it's a, this book to me is fascinating but it also has great warnings for us today. 
So when you think of God's word uh, and we think of the warnings from God's word, I, I came across this story. In fact, it was one of my cousins that sent it to me. And it's just worth thinking about. Look at this story. Massive earthquake swarm in Antarctica suggests sleeping volcano is awakening. Apparently there's a swarm of 8,500 earthquakes that lasted three months in 2020. And it was triggered by a finger of magma. This is kind of a long article. There's different scientific reports you can read about this. But it says here, the human contributions to climate change are dwarfed by volcanoes. And they get into this volcano uh, that they're, they believe could blow that's in the Antarctica. And they say, you know, with climate change, we hear all the time, hey, you, got, you can't, uh, you know, we got to get rid of fossil fuels. We got to drive electric cars and all of this other nonsense. Said, no, 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 no. One super volcano dwarfs any climate change uh, talk of man. It uh, says here, the scale of the Antarctic volcanoes is not fully known given the challenges of studying at that latitude. However, there's strong possibility that a super volcano could be under the massive ice sheets. And then it says this, and those worried about climate extinction might like to reflect on the fact that the last time a supervolcano erupted, it almost wiped out our species. Continues, this supervolcano, it references another supervolcano, uh, Lake Tobas in Sumatra, and it says, just to give us an example, connecting it with this Antarctica supervolcano, it says, this supervolcano is believed to have erupted roughly 74,000 years ago. Listen, I'm young earth. I don't believe the 74,000 years ago. Some of you may, I don't, but nevertheless, it's worth listening to this part. And some researchers believe the eruption released six billion tons of sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, leading global temperatures to plummet, get this, 15 degrees centigrade or 59 degrees Fahrenheit to plummet by that much for three years afterwards, which almost wiped out all human life on Earth. So you look about climate change, you look at these things, and you think, wow, to drop 15 degrees centigrade? That is just unbelievable uh, to think of something like that. Okay, so we start putting this into perspective. Why do I bring up this volcano? Um, because God also gives us these other warnings that are in the Bible uh, when it comes to the last days. One of them is in the tribulation period, uh, the sky is going to roll up like a scroll. There's going to be massive earthquake. Revelation chapter 6. The sky rolling up like a scroll appears to be the description of massive volcanoes or a massive super volcano that erupts and causes great destruction on the planet. So we read about things like this and scientists are saying, hey, if this thing goes, it's going to be bad. But listen, Life's not going to be extinct on planet Earth. I know that because I know uh, what the Bible tells us. I've read to the end of the book. If possible, men would destroy themselves without a supervolcano. But the judgments are coming. Men will attempt to control men. The mark of the beast is going to eventually come on the scene. Well, eventually this world's going to go into the tribulation. But I also know this. Jesus is coming. So in, in all of the bad news and all of this crazy stuff we read about every day, we have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Okay, let's move on from here. Uh, we read a little bit about the man, Amos the prophet. And what about his occupation? Well, verse 1 tells us that he was among the sheep breeders or sheep herders of Tekoa. 
So Tekoa was about six miles outside of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is about five or six miles outside of Jerusalem. So Tekoa, not far from Jerusalem. John Phillips said that Tekoa looked out on the desolate wilderness. It was a town on the edge of nowhere. Between it and the Dead Sea was a veritable chaos of wild hills and valleys. At night, the young herdsmen uh, would often hear the howl of a beast of prey. He would get a tighter grip on his stout staff and prepare to defend his flocks. Tokoa was a cruel corner of the country, one that only grudgingly yielded a living to its inhabitants. Continuing, the prophet made no effort to disguise his low origins. And here he tells us that he's a sheep herder or sheep breeder, sheep herder, sheep breeder. But over in chapter 7, verse 14 of Amos, he describes his occupation as a tender or a gatherer of sycamore fruit. Now listen, this is encouraging to anybody who feels uh, that they have never achieved a position of prominence in this world. Listen, sycamore trees do have fruit, but not very good fruit. It's similar to a small fig, uh, but it's not the same as a fig. And the fruit of a sycamore tree was eaten by people who were very poor. The gatherers would pinch or bruise the lumps of fruit to make them ripen. So Amos is literally describing himself as a pincher of sycamore fruit. Somebody goes, I mean, talk about somebody who's in in a low position. This is not a high-class position. Listen, I I want you to think of this. You, You look at Amos and you think, man, what a lowly job to have in this life, yet look at how God used him. If you know the Lord, you're going to meet him in heaven one day. God caused him and and put his spirit within him and gave him this burden to preach the truth to the people of Israel that they might repent, judgment is coming, and then also to talk about the day of the Lord at the time of the end. Listen, be encouraged. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 tells us that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. I find that encouraging and needed because sometimes we can look at our lives, God, are you ever going to use me for, for anything? Um, I, you know, Lord, I don't, I don't know, Lord, if you can ever use me for anything. I'm just, I just live out here in no man's land. I've never amounted to anything. I'm uneducated. Listen, this was Amos. And look what God did with Amos. I think that's so cool. So we meet the man, his occupation, and also his vision. Amos virtually dates the prophecies of this book. He tells us that it was in the days of King Uzziah. So who was King Uzziah? King Uzziah was a good king of Judah. And it was also in the days of King Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Um, so, so with that, those identifying people, we can say, okay, we know when Amos lived. We know the dates that he lived. Um, with uh, Uzziah, think of this. During the same time, both the prophets Hosea, remember we looked at Hosea not too long ago? Hosea was the prophet who was told to go and marry that woman who was a prostitute, and he bought her back from a slavery, sex slavery, literally, um, he was told to go marry that woman. That was the prophet Hosea. So uh, Amos was a contemporary of, of Hosea, and he was also a contemporary of Isaiah. How do we know that? Because as Amos mentions Uzziah, King Uzziah, so also one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament, 
Isaiah mentions King Uzziah. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, where Isaiah wrote, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So again, with Isaiah, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. And what is it also here with Amos? When King Uzziah was king of Judah, I, Amos, was a prophet. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 5 went on to say, at that time, when, when Isaiah is looking, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah said, I said to myself, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. Wow. Also, Amos here, he notes it was two years before the earthquake. So this must have been a substantial earthquake. It's not just a earthquake or an earthquake. It is the earthquake. What earthquake was it? Well, such a big earthquake, such a, a catastrophic earthquake, that some 200 years later, Zechariah references the same earthquake. How do we know it's the same earthquake? Well, look at this next passage, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5, where Zechariah wrote, Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. So I look at this and I think, wow, Amos, he targeted this for us. He gives us the time frame. We know exactly when it was that Amos wrote this. Listen, God is so exact in his word. Why does he have Amos so exact? So that there would be no doubt. He's not, this isn't some guy just making stuff up. This is real. And the judgments, and this gives us a concern for the days that are coming, because the things that he wrote to date the book, to help us understand this is factual, even his occupation, he admitted, hey, well, I'm a nobody, all these different things. And then he also had the prophecies that were going to come about to Israel, to Judah, and then to the surrounding peoples of the north, the south, the east, and west around them. Uh, so with those different prophecies that did happen, we can know that the word of God in the book of Amos is factual and the prophecies that are still coming, we better pay attention to because they also will happen. Listen, Amos is also the one who wrote this in, in chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Let me pull that up on the screen here for you guys to see. Look at that again. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret uh, to his servants, the prophets. This is what God has done. He has revealed his secrets to us by his word, uh, through the prophetic word, so that we can know what God is going to do. God doesn't do it unless he tells us. He gives us warning after warning after warning, and God is giving us warning today. Okay, a little bit more. And then we're going to start getting into some contemporary things. Okay, At the time of the writing of Amos, Israel was very prosperous. Uh, why would they have an enemy that's going to come against them? They, you know, they had kings that were making deals with enemies and things like that. 
or, or their neighbors who would turn in to be enemies. They did that over the years and over the decades. Um, but why would they fear? They, they have great prosperity. I, I look at the United States. Why would we fear great prosperity? Well, things are changing, aren't they? You look at the Western world, what do we have to fear? We have good leaders, they want the best for us. Oh, yeah, uh, like we can really believe that? Unbelievable, right? So Israel was there, they were prosperous. Amos comes along and says, look, you've got an enemy out there and you are in deep trouble. Isn't that what we're hearing today? If you're paying attention, uh, we certainly are hearing it. L listen, Israel trusted their wealth, they trusted their military strength, they were engaged in all, and however, they were engaged in all sorts of immorality and they mixed it with their Jewish faith. So in other words, uh, they, in this case, with, with the Northern Territory, they wouldn't go down south to Judah, to Jerusalem to worship. So they had their own temples that were built. Eh, just go there and worship. And they brought in all their pagan practices and they basically said, listen, God is good with this stuff that we do. All these yeah, all these perverted things, it's okay. God, God made my body. Uh, God agrees with me. He gave me these desires. Listen, uh, most of these desires that people got are probably from the devil. They had no idea that the Assyrians were coming. Well, they could have had an idea if they paid attention to the word of the prophets, but they rejected the word of the prophets. They didn't want to hear it. They, wanted, they didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't want to hear anything about that at all. Uh, so they rejected the words of the prophets. They said, God is good with us. We don't have to worry about the Assyrians. They're, they're not going to be a problem. Oh, yes, they were. Listen, this is the world that we live in today. We have a world that's given over to perversion, given over to wickedness. You think ancient Israel and ancient Judah, they would take a baby and lay it on the arms of their god, the pagan god Molech, uh, and, and then they, the baby would be burned alive? It was this pagan practice that they could go on uh, having the sexual relations that they wanted to without having the kid and to appease their gods. Listen, you look at what's going on today in America. This is appalling. Uh, think of this. this. This news this past week, right, we've all seen this leaked document. Roe v. Wade is to be re, uh, uh, repealed. Uh, we're still waiting to see what happens on that. By the way, I want to say this with the Roe v. Wade thing being repealed. Basically, if you live in a state like California, like I do, what this does, this Supreme Court ruling, what it will do if it goes through, which it probably will, uh, it just puts it back to the state. So the state of California will be able to continue with their perverted wickedness. In fact, Governor Newsom here in California said, I'm going to fight like the devil. Well, of course he is. He is of the devil. His father's the devil, so of course he's going to fight that way. So going down that path, um, you look, you go, why do people in California even care about it? Why would people in New York or New Jersey or other states that are so pro-abortion, why do they even care about it? This is where the riots are. This is where the fighting is. It doesn't even make any sense because these people, they've lost their minds. But still, the fact that they would fight over being able to kill a baby boy, kill a baby girl, it, to me is appalling. And then you have something like this, which is really kind of humorous. Rosanna Arquette, millions of women figuring out how to get out of this country for good, get out of America for good. Why? Because we want to have an abortion. This is just absolutely absurd. Uh, this is a quote from her. Uh, let's see and hear all the good men out there, because there are many. Stand with us now. Stand up to the barbaric tyranny that is happening to American women. 
Stand up, speak out with us, and make yourselves loud now. Let's all get their boots off our wombs. Okay, I've got to stop here for just a second and say, first of all, we have a world now, at least in America, I don't think the rest of the world's gone as mad as America has. I mean, you guys out there in the rest of the world must look at us like we're nuts. Well, America's, there's bizarre, just bizarro. Listen, um, we, can't, we, we can't even define what a woman is. Suddenly, this is about women rights. Well, I thought there was no such thing as a woman. So what is this? It's just complete nonsense. Okay, so you're going to go to another country, Rosanna Arquette, all of you other people? It would be nice if they would actually follow up on it, which they never will. But let's think about this. In Germany, you want to go to Germany? Nearly all abortions are illegal after 12 weeks, and there's a three-day waiting period and mandatory counseling before a woman is allowed to have an abortion, even during the permitted first 12 weeks. That's more restrictive than the state of Texas. So get out of here, Rosanna Arquette, and go with all your friends. In Belgium, abortions are permissible only until the 12th week. After that, an abortion is permitted only if the woman's life is in danger. Furthermore, any woman getting an abortion must wait six days after her first medical consultation before an abortion can be performed. Denmark is similar. Pregnant women in Finland also have until the 12th week of pregnancy to get an unrestricted abortion. And during, get this, during those first 12 weeks, the woman must provide compelling reason for ending her pregnancy. In France, also, abortion on demand is legal only up to 12 weeks, after which it becomes much more difficult Socialist Sweden allows abortions until the 18th week of pregnancy and bans most after the 22nd week. In that four-week gray period, a woman can get an abortion, but only if it is approved by the National Board of Health and Welfare. So you hear this nonsense, these people saying, I'm going to move to another country where we have more freedoms. Well, get out of here then. I mean, you look at leftist Europe, way more restrictive on abortion than America. And here we have these people in America that are crying out because they want to kill babies. Guess what? Ancient Israel and ancient Judah were judged over these things. And it's insane to think that God is just going to look down at this world and just wink and say, it's okay. God's good with it. Well, they, they, you know, these people tell me they love me with their lips. No, their actions speak volumes. Okay, so we have the man. We also have the message. I'm not going to get too far into this. Let me just read a few verses and then I'm going to start wrapping it up. Okay, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four. Notice this, this uh, um, the language here. For three transgressions, no, for four. Notice, you can see it repeatedly. Because they have threshed Gilead with the implements of iron, but I will send a fire into the house of Hazael. I will not turn away Damascus' punishment. And this fire of Hazael will devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon. And no one, excuse me, and the one who holds the scepter from Beth Eden, the people of Syria shall go captive to Kur, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces. I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, 
uh, and the one who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre, and for four I will not turn away its punishment, uh, because they have delivered up the whole captivity of Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood, but I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre, which shall devour its palaces. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity. His anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send fire upon Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Bozrah. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, but because they ripped open the women with, the chil with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. But I will kindle, kindle excuse me, a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour its palaces amid shouting in the day of battle, and the tempest in the day of this whirlwind. Their king shall go into captivity. He and his princes together, says the Lord. Wow, that's some radical stuff. Listen, this is what God's doing. Here, he's pronouncing judgment not on Israel or Judah. We'll get to that later, not today. But he's pronouncing judgment on the surrounding nations, uh, on the enemy to the north, Syria and Damascus, on the enemies uh, to the south, on the enemies to the west. Uh, you have Ashdod and Ashkelon and e and. Uh, Ekron, by the way, I was in Israel just last week, and I was in the area of, of here. It has Gaza in here also. Same Gaza today. You have Ashdod. I went and did a, a film there with David Tao in Ashdod. I stood there on the corner, the Gaza corner, and uh, Sturot was over here, but the five cities of the Philistines were over here, and that's what's being talked about here. In fact, the only city of the five cities of the Philistines that aren't mentioned here in Amos is Gath. Gath was probably already taken care of earlier, but you have Gaza, Ekron, Ashkelon, and, um, and the other city, uh, um, Ashdod, which is the one that I visited. You know, you look at this and you go, wow, this is coming, this judgment. So you have judgment to the west, judgment to the south, judgment to the north, and judgment to the east. It's going to come upon Ammon. Where's that? That's over in Jordan. So God is talking about the surrounding peoples. And it did happen, by the way. So people might say this is, a, 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 this is something that's still coming in the future. It did happen. What's interesting about this to me is as it was so many centuries ago, at the time of Amos and the other prophets, it's a similar dynamic today, isn't it? I mean, okay, he also says your brother. You went after your brother. He's talking about, uh, so it's the correlation between Esau and Jacob. Remember, Esau and Jacob were brothers, right? Um, so you have uh, the, the, twin, the, the twins. And so the descendants of Esau uh, would be in Edom. And then the descendants of Jacob are the, the Jews, the Israelites. So he goes, you go after your own brother. Uh, and you, so you still have this dynamic that's taking place today. Very interesting, isn't it? God's going to deal with this. The day is coming when God's going to deal with it. Uh, interesting also, when you look at the prophets, you find out that the tribe of Dan didn't want to take the area of Gaza, which they should have taken. Gaza's a mess right now. Uh, Hamas is there. Um, and then you have uh, Judea and Samaria, which is called the West Bank by uh, the UN and much of the world. He doesn't recognize Israel. They call it the West Bank. 
That's Judea and Samaria, where you have the sins that Amos is talking about and the other prophets. <clears throat> and then you have the part of the Golan up there where Dan relocated to, and then where, where Jeroboam went and built the other temple up at Dan. That's all in the area of the Golan. So you, you have these interesting, each of those areas, Judea and Samaria, known by much of the world as West Bank. You have Gaza, you have the area of the Golan. Those are called disputed territories by the UN, not by me, not by you. They belong to Israel, but according to the UN and much of the world, no, 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 that's disputed territory. Russia says, no, they don't belong to Israel. Interesting, Israel is still dealing with these areas that were a problem with them because they were never rightly dealt with centuries ago, back in the times of the Bible. It's as if God's saying, listen, in the last days, we're gonna deal with this problem. So here it is, still same problem, here it's the same people. Listen, as you look at all of this, I cannot help but think of the world that we live in right now. So we have the man, we also have the message. But then in this message, when he says, for three transgressions, no, for four, he's not saying, he's not saying this. Understand what this means. When he says, for three transgressions, no, for four, he's not saying, suddenly God thought of one more sin. No, that's not what it is. This is literally what this means. For sin upon sin, because of what Damascus had done, what Edom had done, what this territory had done, what that territory had done, how they dashed the little children, the pregnant women of Israel, how they dashed them sin upon sin. Uh, listen, I, I will judge you for that. So when it says three transgressions, no four, that's what it's talking about. Overall though, folks, I look at this, and I wanna wrap it up here with something to think about. Um, by now, if you've been following Bible prophecy for a while, or especially lately, you've heard this name, Yuval Noah Harari. He's the uh, think person behind the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. He's a young guy. Um, he's an evil man, too. Um, and uh, recently, this is one of the statements that he made. In fact, I won't give you the whole statement, um, but I've watched the videos with him. Uh, what to do in this video, in this particular speech he gave, it was what to do with useless people, according to this World Economic Forum speaker, Yuval Harari. Who are the useless people? <coughs> the useless people, real simple. He also called them the meaningless people. He also called them the worthless people. Um, who are they? Well, these are the people that don't go along with this global system uh, that is part of the uh, artificial intelligence um, the, the whole thing, the, the whole package, when we start thinking of technology and the way everybody's being manipulated, identification, um, even making, becoming part man, part machine, and so forth, um, he, he's this guy. But also the useless people by these globalists, the elite, are identified as those people that are in Africa. Uh, they're useless people. They're meaningless. What are we going to do with them? We need to, we need to get rid of them. Listen, when you look at the situation with Russia and Ukraine right now, these same leaders, most of them behind the scenes, we don't know who they are, they look at the people as being useless and meaningless and we need to eliminate them. So they can take the Ukrainian people, the people of Ukraine, and they're, they're just pawns, or the people in Russia, they're just pawns in this global chessboard as they're bringing about their global system. They're useless. They, they're fine squishing them like bugs. Why is that? They don't believe in God. In fact, Noah Harari, this is a quote from him, history began when humans invented gods and will end when humans become gods. Wow, 
Humans inventing gods, no. Humans are going to become gods. Interesting that he said that. So that's what we can say. Everybody that doesn't fall in line with my thinking, this type of thinking, is useless. Get rid of them. By the way, you hear many people talk about atheism and, well, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. Well, guess what these atheists are going to do? They're not really atheists. They're going to set up their God, Antichrist, because they need someone to worship. And they will worship Antichrist. I find it all fascinating when we look at where we are today. Listen, I know that's a lot that's in there. We got started with the book of Amos. I know it's Mother's Day, probably not a happy Mother's Day message, but nevertheless, want to connect some dots as we get ready with the book of Amos. I look forward to seeing you right back here live next Sunday night. Um, God bless you guys. Oh, I forgot. Uh, we have the Prophecy Conference coming up in Huntington Beach. Give you more on that next week. Bye. Shalom. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.